Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. This is episode number 66 with our guest, Jane Sanders. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Hey there, guys. Thank you for joining us. You're tuned right into The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Josh Carey. Wouldn't you agree that at times throughout your life, you feel like you are stuck in a rut? You're stuck and something is missing from your life. I can tell you, I had that feeling for years and it was frustrating to say the least. I didn't know what to do or how to do it. Now, using a tool called scientific hand analysis. Our guest today helps people just like you achieve that inspired passion, purpose, and freedom you crave in your life and work. Hand analysis, as we'll learn, is not about predicting the future. It's much more fascinating than that. As it turns out, the lines in our hands mimic the neural pathways in our brains. In the same way, repeated thoughts and actions create hardwired paths in our brains, the more intense the tendency, the deeper and more defined the corresponding lines and marks in our hands. Imagine that fascination. We'll link to a Forbes article that was written all about our guest and her work in this field. I'm already a fan and excited to learn more. Help me welcome. It's Jane Sanders. How are you, Jane? Josh, I'm awesome. I'm also very impressed by that intro. That was fantastic. You really did some homework and you got it all right. That's so cool. Imagine that, two for two, doing homework and getting it right. (laughs) So um, it's no secret. I'm I'm already a fan of this um, hand analysis thing. Um, And what I love even more about it is that I think on the surface, many people would assume, ah, you're going to predict my future and my tendencies based on that. I'm glad it's not about that. Paint the difference for us, please. Yeah, big difference. What you're talking about predicting the future is palm reading. And there is overlap in some of the terminology and what we call different things. But as you mentioned, there's no prediction with hand analysis other than I don't care how good your life is now. If people take action on what's in their hands, it's only going to get better. 
So um, the big difference is that, and I really want to clarify that it's scientific hand analysis. That's the name of this particular line of study because there are many palm readers who call themselves hand analysts. Oh. Um, and there are great palm readers, so I'm not knocking palm reading. It's just this is not that. What is that word, scientific? How does that benefit what we're talking about? What does that well, translate it's, it's to? Well, what me? you mentioned that the lines in your hands actually mimic the neural pathways in your brain. And the gentleman that created this system spent 40 years and analyzing over 30,000 hands to put this database together. So just the reliability of the, the mm. depth and quantity of study and information you know, gives it great accuracy. Um, yeah, so I love learning all about the, um, the correlation between how our, our habits and thoughts and rituals and actions create a very definitive neural pathway in our brains. I've, I've been reading all about that. I love all about that. Does that suggest that over time our hands would also change? They certainly can. Now, we get a lot of information from the fingerprints. Those are formed in utero, and of course, they never change, or the FBI would be in deep doo-doo, right? So fingerprints never change, which means the information we get about you from your fingerprints will not change either, and it's the core of who you are. Other things about you and other things in your hands can change, but as you can imagine, that takes quite a while. Mm. And like a, one of your major lines is not going to all of a sudden make a U-turn right? It's not that type of change. It's little things that you likely wouldn't even notice, but I would as an expert. But it can also be even the set of your fingers on your palm can change. You can know, you like the, this angle on your thumb can change um, over time. And, and the, the relationship of the different sections of the fingers to each other can change. Can you give so us an example? Everything but the fingerprint. Yeah. Can you give us an example of um, what kinds of things potentially I'll learn from this analysis? Oh yeah, the main things you learn, and here's where it gets different from palm reading. The main thing that people get a hand analysis for is their innate life purpose, how they're meant to make a difference in the world. Go on. Um, yeah, I know, a very comprehensive, detailed description of the concept behind the work. So it's not a job description. Nobody's put into one box of one job that is only best for them. There's lots of options. Um, so your innate purpose, um, your special gifts that you have to help you fulfill that purpose and make the difference that you're meant to make in the world, the challenges and blind spots that you have that are keeping you from that more consistent joy and fulfillment and success on your terms. Um, because the only way really to that deeper joy and fulfillment is by living in alignment with your purpose. That's why there's so many books out now about meaning as opposed to happiness. You know, that meaning is what we really crave, which is what's going to get us that deeper joy and fulfillment. Um, and that comes from being on purpose. So a hand analysis gives you purpose, the gifts, where you're getting tripped up, and what to do about it. So it's very actionable, kind of freaky. 
Yeah, can, can we go through some of these and give us a real live sample of what one may sound like? For example, what's a purpose? What's a sample example of a purpose that we Okay, and just know there are dozens doesn't even describe it. Yeah. Hundreds of options. Yeah. Um, just but, so we could put it into perspective. Yeah, so somebody could be, for example, um, an artist with a public message. You know, they're meant to communicate a message that's going to help people using their creativity, you know, in a creative way. Um, somebody could be um, a leading business person. Somebody could be um, an innovative mentor, mm. you know, where they're meant to kind of coach and guide and be a role model for people using their own methods, their own awareness, their own journey. So those are some of the three, those are three of some of the basic examples. And now with challenges and blind spots, how do you, like, what does that look like? How do you help us with that? Okay, so I need to go over a little bit of a concept here. Sure. So every marking in the hands has both a master path and a student path. Um, master path, when we're on the master path, it feels good. And the more master paths we're on, the easier it is to live in alignment with that purpose. And that feels really good when we're in alignment with purpose. The student paths kind of are all the yucky feelings in life. Feeling bored, stuck, as you mentioned at the beginning, overwhelmed, confused, frustrated, procrastinating, angry, sad, depressed, Ooh. relationship challenges, money stuff. All those are student paths. And the more student paths we're on, the more challenging it is to live in alignment with purpose. So the student paths are these tripping points, these challenges that I'm talking about. And nobody can be on the master path of any marking. 100% of the time. Okay. We're works in progress, right, Josh? We're human. So um, these are our learning points. You know, our, our, you know, I call them blind spots, but let me tell you, rarely is somebody blind to them. Well, you, know, you, have to, you have to have no self-awareness at all to not go, oh yeah, that's me. I've seen that before. That sounds familiar. Yeah. Um, but it tells you what to do about it you know, that this is impacting your life. So here's some suggestions on how to move away from that, at least temporarily and more often to get to the master path. Hmm. It's, it's, I, I fully agree with that in that I spent decades um, hiding behind fear, using that as my, as my crutch, as my excuse for why I can't do something and justified the heck out of it. And then behind closed doors was completely angry and frustrated because I knew yep. that I was capable. But yes. show up in that role that others defined for me. But again, I always knew, what am I, I got power, I got ability, I got skill, I got talent, I could do that. I could probably do it better than he's doing it and look at him shining <laughs> and happy and successful and everybody likes him and doing his thing. And then that's, that's that vicious cycle. So I always knew, and I'm glad you, you, you spoke about self-awareness because it's always there. It's there you're... and you look, you got through it. You know, <laughs> and you started off asking your viewers and your listeners and your tribe, um, if they've ever felt stuck and that you felt stuck for a long time, I was stuck for decades. You know, I'm, I'm a corporate brat. I've got an MBA and I was in sales and marketing and I had my own 
professional speaking business for 20 years, but after a while in each career, I just hit this, you know, like, no, there's something else. This isn't doing it for me. You know, something's missing. I'm, I'm meant to help people. I don't know what's going on. It's just not working. And I finally got fed up with it and actually got one of those, whatever you want to call it, proverbial wake up call, cosmic two before. In other words, a whole bunch of student paths hitting me at one time because that's what they do. They're life complications to try to get your attention. And I started Googling, how do I find my life purpose? I Imagine literally, that. yeah. And, did, you know, went down some paths. I'd already worked with some different people that weren't helpful for me anyway. Yeah. And um, ran across a headline for a teleseminar after a few months of this search. And it said, discover your innate life purpose. And I was like, that's what I'm missing. The articulation of my purpose. So I clicked on that link. And the first words I saw were hand analysis. And I was like, oh, come on. I'm serious here. I want my purpose. Yeah. But I just, I read a little bit more and then I saw scientific. And for the moment, that one word appeased what I call my anal MBA skepticism. So I listened to the teleseminar. It, you know, it made sense, just like this is making sense to you. And I really wanted my purpose. So I got a hand analysis, changed my life. I can see. I, I, I connect those dots now. Um, I, I, I want to pinpoint something you said in that, um, in that segment there. You said something that happened through each career of yours. And I remember hearing that many of us don't have just one or two careers in our lives. We have a handful or several. And I think that that realization is important because too many of us might resist that. No, I, I have to do this. Why isn't this working? I have to get this career correct. But you find that it's more than okay to navigate and bounce through various careers. That is so true. I mean, this is my fourth career now, and this will evolve, even purpose work. And I'm so on purpose right now. Thank God. I mean, because, you know, it was hell not being on purpose. I was just most of the time in my career miserable. Mm. And now I just love what I do. Um, but it will evolve. So, for example, I've added law of attraction coaching now to my purpose coaching because it's so powerful and it really dovetails really nicely with my work. So with all my clients, I'm also coaching them and giving them law of attraction techniques and tools to use and rituals to put into their life every day. Um, I started off just doing hand analysis. Then I went to purpose coaching as well. Now I'm doing workshops, retreats. So things evolve yeah, and that's it. cool. Um, yeah. But this is so powerful. I can't imagine not doing this. It's just so, I mean, People cry, you know, when I'm talking to them because they feel so seen and understood. It's just really fulfilling. And I really feel like I'm, I almost tear up making the difference that I'm meant to make. It's just so powerful. There you go. It's amazing. Um, so, so let's pivot for a minute to this law of attraction uh, section. You said that you give people tools in that regard. What, what are some of those? So the, do you want me, very briefly, for those who don't know law of attraction, um, 
you've heard all the sayings that thoughts are real, that, you know, thoughts create your life. Well, it's even more than thoughts. It's your feelings. So whatever your predominant feelings are, that's what you're going to get reflected back. In other words, you'll attract situations and people that make you feel that same way. Mm. So if you're a worry wart and you're always worried, the universe is going to send you things to worry about. True. But if you work on creating, it's called leveling, up leveling your emotional vibration. If you work on just a little bit, keep moving that up the emotional scale, the more you feel joy, the more joy you're going to get the more things to feel joyful about. And it's, there's no vacuum. In other words, I, when we were chatting a little bit before we started the recording, I said 45 minutes ago, I was still on my horse. Well, let me tell you, and you can see the stuff behind me. I'm a horse freak. And that is my escape. It's my grounding. It's my peace of mind. It's one of the meditations I do. And riding my horse gives me so much pleasure and when I allow myself to do that, which was a big mind shift on my part, being an entrepreneur, I'm, I'm too busy, I'm too busy, I can only do that on weekends. Mm -hmm. The more I allow myself to ride my horse during the week, when I used to tell myself, no, I have to be working, the better my business gets, the better my life gets. That yes. is law of attraction because I'm bringing more joy in my life, doing what I love, which is bringing me more mm -hmm. of what I love. What you just said, Jane, was one of my biggest aha moments. Um, some time ago, I, I, I continued to hit up against the same wall, the same wall in my business, not overcoming the same challenges, not, you know, not progressing where I thought I was capable of doing it. And the aha moment was, wait a minute. I'm the issue here. I have to change me. It's not about this external marketing or business or clients or videos or what. No, I'm, I'm the one that has to change here. Let me work on myself. And it's, it's amazing. It, now it sounds so, yeah, obvious. No, it wasn't obvious for years. I was like, oh, I got to get this right. Leave me alone. I got to do this. I got to put in more work. I got to try something else. Oh, they're really going to like this one. They didn't, they didn't bite or buy that one. Oh, they're going to love this. And no. It, no, it started within and it started from me. And then I put two and two together and said, wait a minute, the better I am, the more healthy I am, that's when my business is going to flourish. Only then. So brilliant. It always starts with us. And again, whatever we're putting out is what we're going to get back. So you asked me for tools. Um, so some of the smaller, easy to implement tools. Um, first of all, the positive, one of the most positive, powerful, emotions is gratitude or appreciation mm -hmm. so you know people have heard this get into a ritual well where once a day usually first thing in the morning or last thing at night write down five things you're grateful for and don't just write them down josh you gotta feel it that's the whole key people just write these lists and they just do it to do an assignment oh wow you've got to feel it yeah. and feel that appreciation. I made a point when I was driving back to my office after riding Darby this morning. Wow. What a great, I'm so lucky. I'm so blessed that I have this ability to be able to do this, to ride my horse by myself out on the trail, which is like, Oh my God, my favorite thing to do. And I was just in gratitude all the way home.
um, back you know to my office so that's one tool that you can use um, there are little videos you can watch and does, do you remember the secret of course remember that whole thing yeah so this is a video that the secret people which by the way they just barely barely skimmed the surface it you know the secret was basically law of attraction for dummies mm -hmm. um but you know very helpful they've got a two and a half minute video um that i watch every morning before i go to email that if i let my emotions feel the way the people in the video are feeling then it starts my day off with this higher level emotion and it makes me smile and that's that's all the difference you need you can't go from despair to joy but you can go from neutral to just a little bit up and you can go from despair to hope right so anytime you can get just one mm. level up so that and that you can just go to youtube and uh search the secret to you it's two and a half minutes that's it i'm jotting that down the secret to you two and a half minute video perfect yeah and then i've created i've got my own I've got a set of 21 little videos that are under five minutes mm. of different tips and techniques that people can use. So anything that helps lift your, when you feel yourself, your energy and your motion drop, have some photos or a video to go to on your camera that, that makes you smile. That's mm. all you need. That little tiny boost, turn on music and dance around your office or just turn on music that lifts you up. You know, the old eye of the tiger thing. Just so anything true. that lift yeah. your emotional mood just a little bit. And I love that you pointed out, it's not about thinking per se, it's more, it's about feeling that, how important that is. Yeah. I want to I go back and connect all these amazing dots. If you would, take us back to you as a child growing up. What was life like for you? Well, I was raised in, I started to say, what's well, a dark and stormy night? No, um, I was raised in a small town in Southern Illinois, big family. There were, I had six brothers and sisters. Wow. Um, I was a real tomboy. I always loved being outside um, by myself. I didn't care if any of my siblings came with me or not. Interesting. I even, my mom even told me one time I came in and went upstairs and said, don't tell them. I'm going upstairs. I want to be lonely. Um, <laughs> I yeah, want to be I lonely. Young. Right. I was using the wrong word, but I just wanted to be alone. So, yeah. um, wow. I mean, it was a typical Midwestern, you know, town and family and, you know, a nice, um, childhood. Um, I knew that that town was too small for me to stay in for any, for me any length of time. So as soon as I graduated from college, boom, um, I was gone. I went to my undergrad at Southern Illinois University and got a job and went to LA for a long time and got my MBA at night. Um, and that was my first career, which was sales and marketing. Where'd you get your MBA? Yeah. Pardon me? Where'd you get the MBA? Loyola Marymount University. Okay. In what? LA. What brought you out to LA? Was it just a desire for that life or did- My some... job. Yeah, oh. I took a job with um, Carnation Company, which doesn't exist anymore. Now it's Nestle. Yeah. Nestle swallowed them up. Um, 
and uh, they promoted me into marketing and moved me to LA and wow. um, that's how I got there. And then I was, you know, got really bored and like, uh, so I went to a smaller company, um, an international graphics design firm, corporate identity firm, calling on big companies. Now that was a lot of fun um, for a long time, but then again, I hit that same wall that we talked about, got really burnt out, knew I was supposed to be doing something else, didn't know what, loved the company, loved my boss, but I was miserable in the work after a while. So that's when I started a professional speaking company because I always liked presenting um, and making presentations. That company, that was my first entrepreneurial foray and it lasted 20 years, um, which is you know, pretty darn good in that business. But after about, I don't know, I didn't measure it. I'll say 12 or 15 years, got bored again, knew I was supposed to be doing something else, but I didn't know what I'd already worked with a career coach that didn't help. I'd read all the books, you know, and filled out all the questionnaires. I was still stuck. So I just kept doing what I was doing. And as my heart pulled away from it, so did the revenue but I didn't want to invest in it because I didn't want to do it anymore. So I was just in this downward spiral. And um, both of my parents passed away within three months of each other. Mm. And that was my big kick in the head. My proverbial wake up call of, Hey, life is short. Quit waiting for this epiphany to drop in your lap. Cause it's not going to happen you've got to really take action on this. And that's when I started Googling, how do I find my life purpose? Chilling, got the chills. Let's leave that there for a minute and we'll double back to a lot of those uh, milestones. Going back to what you said as the young child, don't tell them I'm here, I wanna be lonely. I understand that that was just a, uh, the best word you at that age could have found, yet still profound and probably significant for what it's worth. How are, how, how are you today? Do you, do you still value solitude in the same way? Yeah. I mean, I have many friends. I'm always out and about. I belong to several groups. I'm on the board of two groups. Um, you know, so I'm very involved. Um, love being with my friends. Um, but I just, I don't, I don't get lonely. You know, I, I work well alone. Now, I work out of my office alone, but I'm with clients all day long on Zoom. Mm -hmm. So I'm always connected with people. Um, I like writing alone because of, I, I like writing with my friends too, but I enjoy writing alone because of the solitude and the, the meditative aspect of it. How do we define the difference between what lonely is and what being alone is? Lonely to me feels like a... Um, a pining, you know, like you really, there's a, a not a good feeling. A neglect, when perhaps. Whereas being alone, it's just that, full stop. Being alone. Um, yeah. And being alone doesn't have to mean that you're going to be lonely. Not at all. I think you there's know, some... Now, I've uh, gone on a couple of vacations by myself, but that wouldn't be my first choice. And I've been married, you know, so it's not... Um, yeah. I, and it's all over in my hands, by the way, my, my need for freedom. Great need for freedom. Hmm. Amazing. What were, um, what were those two lessons uh, that your father instilled in you at a young age? 
Yeah, love these stories. So the first one, he was an insurance adjuster and he drove all around Southern Illinois, you know, calling on the customers and writing them checks for the damaged whatever. Um, and like once a year, he would take each of us with him and we got to ride with dad, which was oh. really special. Because yeah. when you got seven kids in the family, there's not a lot of special time alone with one parent or both. So we were out in the country and he needed to go talk to a farmer and we looked across a couple of fields and here's the farmer out working on some equipment. And instead of driving around the box, you know, the roads to the field, dad just took off and he's just had this sedan of some kind, company car, took off the road into the field. And I'm this little kid and I'm like, dad, you're off the road. And he just said, honey, some rules are made to be broken. And I was like, good to know. <laughs> okay. Love it. Good to know. Noted. And that really stuck with me. <laughs> and the other one, he was building, we lived on a lake during the summers, a small lake, and he was building his own little um, houseboat because he liked to run catfish lines at night. You do catfishing, you do at night, or you set up the lines at night anyway. And he was building it and it was about half done and it was up on top of cement blocks. You know, like, I don't know how, to me, I'm gonna say 100 yards from the lake. So I'm looking at him working and I'm like, dad, how are you gonna get that off the blocks? when it's done. And he just said, I don't know, honey, I'll figure that out when I get to it. And again, I'm like, good to know. Don't have to have everything figured out before you start. Okay. And that really, both of those lessons helped me in my entrepreneurial work. I, I love, I, I love both of those one more than the other. They're, they're, they're just so, so important. So amazing. Like you said, for, for a child's life, for an adult life, for entrepreneurs, for business, it really puts things into perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So you then grew up as this young adult. What did you have your eye on to do through high school that you wanted to quote unquote be when you grew up? <laughs> Such a good question. Therein was my problem. I had no idea. And it really made me feel stupid, Josh, because I got good grades. My friends knew what they wanted to do. I really didn't know. Mm. I mean, I, I had got pneumonia when I was a junior or senior. And so I thought, well, I'll help people and I'll be an inhalation therapist. And I even got a scholarship toward that. And then I'm like, I don't think I'm gonna, I, don't, I think I'll get bored with that. So at least I had the presence of mind to recognize that. I went to junior college my first year because I didn't know what to declare as a major. Um, and then when I did go to university, I was like, well, I like communication, I like that. So I'll just take another year and take stuff I like. And my dad just said, why don't you go into business so you can, make make a good living i'm like okay wow so i just you know went into interviewed for sales positions is what i did my undergrads were in journalism and communication um because i liked writing and um communicating i guess i don't know um so i started my career in sales not knowing what else to do 
at one of the more recent, uh, perhaps even the, the last career you left, you mentioned something about then going down a, a, a downward spiral. Um, Tell us about, because I know I've been there, I'm sure many listeners have been there. What was the dark moment like? Um, where you really want to give up. You know, it was like, I've tried everything. I've talked to all these people. It's not like I was just sitting on my thumbs. I was asking for help. So maybe I'm just meant to be miserable hmm. in my work life for the rest of my life. Maybe that's just how it is, you know? So it just, it stopped me from dreaming about what was possible. And then of course, with both of my parents passing away so close together, that was my impetus. That was really the, the, the whack up the side of the head. It was like, hey, come on. You know, life is short. You can figure this out. Just try one more thing. You know, it's, it's your purpose. You don't even know what your purpose is. So figure that out. And that's when I started searching. But it's people get very clinically depressed um, when they're miserable and they know they're not making the difference they're meant to make or not even close to achieving their potential. And it's not necessary to be there. I, I could relate to so much of that in terms of the life is short routine. Uh, I'm going to be 45 this year and no, uh, yeah, <laughs> thank you. I suppose. Um, <laughs> But what I put into perspective for myself is that means that best case scenario, best case, my life is half over. And that's not a best case scenario. If I live, if I make it to 90, the way I was going, I wouldn't have lived to 90, right? I would have right. made it to 90. Yeah. And I didn't like that. I now have two beautiful children that have really become my everything. They helped put everything into perspective for me. I have a five-year-old daughter, a three-year-old son, give them shout outs every chance I get because they might not know it, but certainly they can feel it and see it that they are the reason that I've become the person I am today. And they're this incredible reflection because they, as all children are, they are everything that I wasn't. And I see their power, their independence, their creativity, their, their, their mind at work, their playfulness and their carefree spirit, their loving spirit. I see all of this and I'm like, uh, you're absolutely perfect. I am going to stop getting in your way. Yes. I'm going to stop getting in this way. And that's what I was doing for years. Well, well, I mean, they're only five and three now, but when they were born for the first part of their lives, I was, I was that, you know, person that was just still angry, still frustrated with life that had nothing to do with them. And I was finally able to wake up and say, um, thanks. I'm going to now step out of your way, enjoy this with you, and uh, just embrace that. So that's my why. I love that, Josh. What a great message. I mean, you know, another message I'd like to leave too is it's never too late. You know, because a lot of people come to me when they're getting ready to retire because they want to leave the legacy that they're meant to leave before it's too late. It's only too late when you're dead. You know, even if you've only got one year left, well, don't you want one year to be fabulous and to feel fulfilled and, and to, to feel like I'm feeling now, you know, with my work? So 
It's never too late. I started everything over at 57. So and that, yeah, and that might scare people. Well, yeah. Oh, to start over, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I always tell people it's always scary getting on purpose when you're not. It just is. It's like stepping off a cliff and the cliff may be this big and it may be this big, but you just have to trust that the parachute's going to open and it will. Exactly. But you will pee your pants on the way down because it's scary. <laughs> but that's fine. That's absolutely fine. You got fine. a washing machine. Right. And that becomes part of the story when you are safely and incredibly on the other side. You're like, and guess what happened on the way down? Yes, that yeah. happened. <laughs> How amazing is that? It's so true. It's just yeah. that step. And you don't have to have, like you said, the lesson you learned. You don't have to have all of the answers. You just nope. have to know the next step. Right. Yeah. What was um, the, this whole brand, uh, The Hidden Entrepreneur, was created because I acknowledge, wow, I've been spending all this time behind fear for way too long and I can't do that any longer. Can you tell us about a time that you were deliberately stopped in your tracks by fear and how you got through it? Oh, let's see, which one? Um, probably my middle career um, where I was head of sales and marketing for a firm calling on corporations all over the company, all over the country. Um, loved it for the first few years, but hit that. Like I cannot keep doing this. It's there's, it's not deep enough. Although I didn't really know that at the time, I just knew I wasn't happy that I was miserable and that was growing, but I didn't know what else to do. And I was afraid to really look too deeply because I'm like, well, this is good money and I love my boss. So why would I want to, I told myself all these stories. People will think I'm crazy mm -hmm. if I walk away from this, you know, cause I've got my autonomy. I mean, he moved me to New York city cause I wanted to try to live there. He moved me there, all expenses paid for the move, lived there for a year. It was too much for me, for my system is very too sensitive. He moved me back. I mean, you know, what a boss. And I just, I was so miserable. And because I didn't move fast enough, I got really sick for two years. I got uh, chronic fatigue syndrome and Epstein-Barr both deeply severely. And I mean, it was, I am not exaggerating when I say brushing my teeth was a major project. Hmm. So I lost two years of my life, um, lost my house, um, ended up filing bankruptcy because I was in my thirties and was not prepared for a long-term no income situation. Um, ended up filing bankruptcy. So let me tell you, you don't take action sooner or later, something's going to kick you in the butt. Looking back on a younger version of yourself, what advice would you give that person? Um, figure out what it is you love to do. When you're taking classes, why do you like the ones you like more than the ones that you don't? I always like psychology classes. Hello, there's my hint that coaching was, you know, it's always been very natural for me and I've coached my entire corporate life, um, different types of coaching, but even now. So I looked at communication. So that's why my 
professional speaking business lasted longer than my other careers because it fulfilled me longer. But then what I found out through my hand analysis is that I was not going as still as deep as I really needed to go with people to feel fulfilled and like I was making the difference that I meant to make. So figure out what classes you like and why you like them and then connect the dots. Wow. Do you believe that everything happens for a reason? Yeah. I don't believe in fate. I think you can change your fate, but I think that we attract being a law of attraction coach situations that we want to learn from or that we want to benefit from. And when we learn from them, that's a benefit anyway. So yes, I think it sometimes takes longer to find the silver lining and some things are very painful. Um, but yeah, I think everything happens for a reason. Are you spiritual or religious in any ways? Very spiritual. I was raised Catholic, never did quite work for me. And it's not a statement about Catholicism. Most of my family are still, and I, if people get value from it and it's meaningful to them, whatever religion they are, fabulous. I'm just not a real big believer in organized religion. And I definitely believe in a higher power. I believe spirit, source, God, whatever word you want to use. Um, most definitely. What do you believe happens when it's all over? When our time here on earth comes to an end? It's just our body. Our soul goes on. And depending on what our experiences are, I do believe that we live and so i'm going to get real this gets pretty esoteric but Please. i do believe in the concept of past lives um i know people that read past lives that can show up in your hands even though this work is not metaphysical but um i happen to have metaphysical beliefs some people you know there's there's a quantum physicist say all time is happening at once so they're not past lives they're all happening at the same time and that's where a deja vu comes in we've slipped into a bubble into another timeline in the future. And then we come back and this happens again. And we're like, Whoa, deja vu. It's because we slipped into that particular moment in the future through the, whatever you want to call this, the quantum field or mm -hmm. something. So yeah, I, I, our souls will never die. They are infinite. Um, they're a little piece of God. That's what I believe that, that's why in the religion, it's, you know, God created us in his image. We're all a little, so it never, our souls never die. We just move on and maybe choose to come back to learn another lesson. But as souls, we want to experience every aspect of humanity that we can. So one lifetime, we might want to feel what it's like to get hit by a bus. Another lifetime, we might want to know what it feels like to be Oprah you know, another lifetime, we might want to know what it's like to have a couple of kids that we absolutely adore and that change our lives. Hmm. Um, so, you know, we just want to experience every aspect of humanity. So much beauty in that. And the key word you just left us with at the end there was experience. Isn't that what it's all about? Yep. Yeah. You got to live your life, man. You know, you just got to go for it. And, um, you know, that's what's so important to me. My, my tagline for my business is live your purpose, love your life. And my coaching is called purposeful, passionate living. The more you love your life and love your work, the vastly better life you're going to have.
and the more you're going to enjoy it. It's a short ride. You got to make it happen. So true. I will leave you with this final question. Jane Sanders, how would you like to be remembered? Oh, as somebody who made the difference in the world she was meant to make, who made a lot of people more joyful and passionate and sent all those ripples out. Because everybody that we impact in a positive way impacts dozens of other people as well. And then it just keeps expanding. I want to feel like I did what I was meant to do. So true. You think that you might be touching one or two people or no people, but there's not only people that you are inadvertently and probably possibly without your acknowledgement, you're impacting, but it goes layers deep. Absolutely. Just keeps rippling out. That's so, so beautiful. Um, I, I understand going, wrapping up with this um, hand analysis tool. I know that you can do this remotely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I use hand prints. I have clients as far away as Singapore. So when somebody gets a hand analysis, I mail them a little kit to take their prints. They get them back to me and then we do it by Zoom where I can record it reliably and show them the markings that I'm talking about. It's fascinating. Wow. So I'll link to all of that for those interested to learn more. I'll link to that Forbes article, which I've read a couple of times now. Absolutely uh, enlightening. Um, Just like you are, Jane. Thank you. Well, thanks, Josh. I really appreciate your invitation to be on your show. It's awesome. It was really enjoyable. Very, very pithy. Very meaningful, too. So thank you for that. Pithy, a new yeah. uh, testimonial I can add to my. Uh, <laughs> Maybe I better spell that. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm certainly going to Google it. It's it's like one of those words you you know you know, but you just want to know a little bit more about what what does that mean? So well, deep um, and profound in the cent, cent, in the center of the you know. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I love it. I, I, I love those words where I come across and I'm like, oh, I've heard that word before. I could probably deduce what it means, but let me Google it just to see it spelled out. Of course out. you could. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what it means. Yeah. Right. Pithy. Well, thank you so much. Absolute pleasure to have you here and uh, a pleasure to have you here tuning in. Uh, if you got something out of it, um, do something with that. Put something good into the world. Take one small step. Like Jane said, you don't need all the answers. You just need to know that one next step to make great things happen. We're going to try to make great things happen again with another episode not too far behind. Until we do, it's an absolute pleasure spending this time with you. Until we do this again, go get them. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.